0: I think for me, communication is the cornerstone that affects every, every area of your life. So the answer is different for all of us. For business owners, it's getting their next sale and motivating their teams to be successful. For the executive, it's getting their next promotion, doing better at their job, leading their clients. For the mother, it's being a better mother for their children, being able to raise them properly, having a better relationship with them. That's why the question I always ask is, how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? And the reason I love this question is because the answer is different for all of us.
1: Welcome to Power To Speak The Podcast. I'm Jackie Goddard and I work with entrepreneurs, leaders and speakers to make them excited about sharing their thoughts and ideas with an audience. The podcast allows me the privilege to speak with successful creatives, business owners and thought leaders about the importance of creativity for their work and their life, as well as hearing about their unique journeys. I have been inspired, educated and enthused by every person I've interviewed and I hope you will be too. Enjoy. Hello everybody and welcome to Power to Speak the podcast and my guest today is Brendan from Master Talk. Yay! <laughs> it's
0: great to be here Jackie.
1: Thank you for being here Brendan and and the reason that I have not Attempted your surname is because it's the longest name I've ever had to write on my board, and as much as I, I mean, you say it beautifully. Please tell the listeners, Brendan, what is your surname? Kumarasamy. Kumarasamy. So, Brendan, you are the founder of Master Talk, and you coach ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become the top one percent communicators in their industry. So we do a very, very similar job. Um, you also have a very, very popular YouTube channel called Master Talk. And the goal of that is to provide free access to communication tools for everybody in the world. So that's that's quite an ambition. So how did how did that ambition start? Because I know a lot of what you do is this this sort of free resource around communication skills. So tell us a little bit about, about your passion for that.
0: Absolutely, Jack. You're happy to. So definitely didn't start that way with the ambition I have right now in this moment. It started in college. I went to business school. And my goal is to be an accountant, not really to become an entrepreneur. But in that journey, I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age are playing rugby or football or Some other sport you probably wouldn't see me playing. I did professional sports for nerds, which was presentations competitively. That's how I got really good at speaking. But then as I got older, I started coaching a lot of the students in college, Jackie. Not because I'm a great coach, because the alternative they had was nobody. So look at me, I'm the winner. So I started. Helping them with their communication, I wasn't charging them anything back then, and that's what led to the idea behind Master Talk. Because I realized that every detail, every nuance, every tip I was sharing with the students wasn't really available for free on the internet. So I just started making videos in my basement, and it led into something I never could have imagined.
1: Yeah, that's it. that's amazing. So what what kind of tips and techniques were you giving those those sports guys at college?
0: Absolutely, sports sports guys and gals. I would say for for them, it was really centered around case competition. So for that specific format, I was really teaching them how to convey their ideas with confidence because a lot of these judges are executives of companies. So every time they would present, I would correct their filler words, make them project their voice a lot more, say less ums and ahs, eye contact, sound really professional. And also give introductions that blow people's minds. So a lot of these students, Jackie, whenever they give introductions in front of this executive, let's say I have Walmart, they'll say, "Uh, hi, everyone, my name is Brendan, this is Jackie, and today we're going to talk about Walmart and the future of the company. So this is normal. They're like 20-year-old kids. So it's just the fact that they're presenting is already a great thing but then what i trained a lot of my students to do back then was they would walk up with suits give everyone a handshake look at them and say ever since i was a kid i always loved going to walmart and they really butter up the, the executives and get the that first place that we're looking for
1: oh that's well <laughs> that's a hell of a place to start that's that's a really good a really good tip and it is one that i always uh, tell people is to get to know the audience and I think if you're if you're stepping out in front of anybody, then find out who they are because it may well colour the way that you speak, the way that you talk to them, and what what actually you're presenting. And plus, as you say, a little bit of a, a buttering up really doesn't harm anybody, does it? It's, you know, it's a great way to to start that that talk. So you were the same age of, uh, as the as the guys that you were you were working with, and you then kind of transitioned from these i mean i want to uh, over here I mean, you are in canada you're in montreal as we speak i assume you're, you're in montreal that's correct and i'm not sure we have a similar thing over here we have like debating societies and we have sort of uh communication around public speaking in in that way but 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 not in the same way i don't think as 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 what you're you're explaining happens in Canada so they're competitions where students a bit like um what's the film over here pitch pitch perfect is is kind of this high school college kind of thing of competitions and I assume Ah. the public speaking that you're talking about is a similar sort of competitions which we don't have over here which I think would be really really helpful because at that age I think if if you're sort of starting out in life it's great to be able to communicate on that level so how did you teach yourself?
0: That's the million dollar question, right, Jackie? How did I teach myself? So, so a couple of parts there. You're right. The case competition community is really small. That's why you've never heard about it. Because only people who go to business school know what a case competition is. Like you specifically have to have a bachelor's in admin or in business, or else you'll never know what a case competition is. Because only in those settings that these things exist. So that's one piece. The way that I learned, and that's how I started Masterk, actually. Because a lot of people asked me that question after I coached 50 of them. It was in my last year of college. And they said, well, how did you learn how to speak? And I actually didn't really have a good answer for them. I didn't really have a coach, not because I don't believe in them. I have a lot, a lot of coaches now who will help me with different areas of life. I just couldn't afford one back then because I was a broke kid. My, my parents were factory workers. So like I didn't really have money for that. Even for Toastmasters, I couldn't afford the hundred bucks a year just because I couldn't. So What happened was I actually learned from my friends. So a lot of the people I I was coaching back then, Jackie, are just as smart as me, if not smarter than me, just in other areas of life. So they would give me feedback on how I'm coaching them. So I can coach the next generation of students better. Because I did that for three years from 19 to 22. So I was teaching them and it was kind of a co-creation process. That's why a lot of the ideas I have on the YouTube channel that we're going to be sharing today are pretty unique relative to the industry. Because I never really learned from anyone else. I just learned from trial and error.
1: Yeah. And is that what you advise other people to do? Is to is to look at people like you, look at other people that that are sort of mentors in a in a way, because there's there's lots of uh, f- there's lots of free resources out there. So, what do you ad- advise people to do? Where do you advise them to start if they if they have a talk or um, a, a competition that they need to enter?
0: Right. So, so generally, what I would say for for talks or competition, the advice I always give is my puzzle analogy.
1: Communication
0: is like a jigsaw puzzle, Jackie. You know those little pieces we put together as kids, those little toys. Right? So the question I have for people to think about is when you work on a puzzle, which pieces do you start with first? A lot of us start with the edges, Jackie, and the reason is because they're just easier to find in the box. You just pluck them out, put the corners, and work your way into the middle. Super simple. But we don't do that in communication and public speaking. A lot of us, when we do communication and public speaking, we start the middle first, unfortunately. We shove a bunch of content in our presentation, we get to the pitch, and we ramble throughout the whole thing, which is not the right approach. So instead, apply puzzle. Practice just the edges first. Do your, pre- your presentation, introduction, 50 times, 25 times. Seems like a big number, but your introduction is like 60 seconds, right? Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with the terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. And then tackle the middle.
1: You now work with, you've moved on from students and from with, with sort of those young people. Now you're actually coaching people that are, because you are still quite young. And compared to me, you are very young. But you are now coaching with people that are, Older than you, in in higher positions than you, much older, how, yeah. How do you kind of, um, how, how do you feel comfortable sitting in that kind of space?
0: And the answer, Jackie, was I wasn't. You know, it's funny today when I think about this, and it really, what you're asking about, that we'll tackle is imposter syndrome. So I'm 26 currently. I started coaching when I was 19, so this is my seventh year coaching people in general on communication. But my average client is two decades older than me. Right, they're around forty-six, forty-eight, fifty. Some of them are in the thirties, but most of them are in that that group. So when I started my career, just to keep this simple, I'd coach people who had worked longer in the company than I was alive. So how how where did that confidence come from? Here is an analogy I'd love to propose, Jackie. Because I'm sure a lot of us feel imposter syndrome, and I'm like the king of imposter syndrome, literally. So here's what I would say. Let's use an analogy. Let's say I came to the UK, Jackie, and I said Hey, I'm in, I'm in the, you know, I know it's a country, but you know, I'm in one of the cities that you live in. Maybe you live in London, let's say. And I asked you for directions. What should I do in the city? You'll probably tell me. You'll probably say, oh, Brendan, go check out this restaurant, go to this attraction, et cetera. In the same way that if you came to Montreal and you said, hey, Brendan, I'm in the city, what should I do? I'll probably tell you, hey, go to this chicken place. Unless you're vegan, don't go to that chicken place. Go to this attraction, go do this. Does that analogy make sense so far, Jackie?
1: yeah so far so good
0: awesome but don't you find that weird because we're not tour guides jackie we're not experts we're not the number one yelp reviewer in the uk or in montreal or in london yet we openly share information about where to go without even thinking if we're credible to share it we don't even have that thought in our mind whereas there's other pieces of information that we actually do think about that, specifically pieces of information that we actually spend time studying and honing. Why is there a disconnect there? Why is it that some pieces of information we actually don't even care if we share it with the world? And then there's other pieces where, oh my God, like, am I an expert? We even question it. And for me, it always comes down to this, Jackie. What is the definition of an expert? A lot of people think that expert means you have a PhD. Whereas for me, that's not what it is. It just means we're one step ahead of the next person in that specific skill set. And as long as you're coaching the people you're comfortable serving first, you'll build up your expertise over time. In the same way, I started with 15-year-old girls and boys. Then I started coaching people my own age. Then a lot of my best friends became tech CEOs, and a lot of them are really young. So they were getting into C-suite level positions, starting their own companies, and they were my age. So I started helping them. And then I developed executive coaching experience through them, because the same advice applies to the 22 year old CEO that it does to the 46 year old CEO. And that's how I built it up over time. But you got to start.
1: Yeah, I I have this belief that uh, it takes sort of 10 years to kind of get to a point where you are an expert in what it is that you want to be an expert in. So I'm looking at you and thinking you started around 16, doing this stuff, maybe a bit earlier. Would you would you agree with that? I mean, even if you, you're living in a city for 10 years, you kind of become an expert in that city. So I think it kind of takes that that amount of time. Right.
0: So everyone's got different opinions on this, Jack. I'm not going to necessarily disagree, but what I'm going to say is just a different approach. So for me, what is experience? I question that, too, because there's a lot of people I know a decade or two of experience in communication. They don't know anything about their field. Like I've watched like their talks on YouTube. I said, you guys don't know anything about communication, even if they have a PhD, because they don't get results for their clients. They're not actually in the dirt. So I think for me, a lot of people, even if they have 10 years, they they relive the same year over and over and over again. Whereas for me, I learned 40 years of communication in four, because that four year journey that I was a part of the case competition program, this was not easy. A lot of SVPs, senior people were my coaches. So whenever I got there and I made a mistake, they would call me out on a meal. Like this sucks. They'll never work in the boardroom and you should just give up because you're terrible at what you do. Like they were really aggressive. So I learned really fast. Whereas there's a lot of coaches in our space that just haven't been through that uh, that fire. And I think that applies just with anything in life in general. I think 10 is just an arbitrary number. It's really what is the output.
1: I I agree with that. But it is that kind of thing of of uh, you know child actors, anybody singing, people that have been singing for that amount of time, kind of get to a point where they've they've accrued all of that experience and whatever it is that they've been through that puts them out in the world as some somebody as a, that's a success in what they do. Absolutely. You, yeah, I mean you. Um, I've been through the the case competitions. Explain a little bit exactly what those are, because I, I'm I'm not sure people listening, certainly in the UK, would understand, or if they didn't go to a, a business school. I don't know whether the business schools over here do do a similar thing. So what's involved? You say that you're actually is it sort of pitching? Is it part of of uh, of, of the education of of becoming a business person?
0: Absolutely, Jackie. Happy to add more details to that. You'd be su- surprised how little people ask me the question. So I'm glad you do. You're, you're asking. So think of it like this. Let's say I mean, you're on the same team and we're doing these case competitions. And Nike comes up to us, the shoe company, and says, hey, Brendan, hey, Jackie, I'm thinking about opening a new store. I just don't know whether or not I should open it in Berlin and Germany or whether I should open it in London where should I open it first and why? Because I only have enough money to open it in one of the two locations. So what happens is me and you sit down for three hours. We come, we read the 20 page document outlining both stores. This is an example of a business problem. And then we pitch the executives on why they should pick X over the other. And then what happens is we don't just write, we don't just say what we think. We make slides, we make financial statements, we assess risks, we analyze the case, the problem. And we pitch our implementation, our marketing strategy. We do all of that in three hours. We prepare all of it. And at the end of the three, we actually pitch it directly to the judges. And then they choose the winner. That gives you an idea of what a case competition is. But now the follow-up is why do they exist? The reason they exist is the recruitment tool for the best companies in the world. So a lot of these companies like Nike, IBM, Deloitte, a lot of them, their their executives actually come to these competitions. They shell out tens of thousands of dollars to sponsor the whole thing. Because if you're a kid in your 20s and you're actually volunteering for this type of experience, you're probably the sharpest kid in the entire faculty. Like there's thousands of people in in the business faculty, but only 70 people are in the program. That's why a lot of my friends went on to work on Wall Street. They went on to work at all the top jobs. And I also worked at IBM for a few years as well
1: yeah i mean it's it's an incredible experience and actually when i think about it you know shows like the apprentice or the dragon's den which i i assume you probably get in canada too because i think they've been all over the world now um it's exactly what they do and it's it's incredible isn't it that we we don't sort of expect or think that these people have been coached to present in that way when obviously they they have been. I mean, it's it, they wouldn't be able to do it without coaching of some kind. Absolutely. Where do you go now? Then once, what is it that you're doing now with ev- all of the experience that you've had in your 26 years?
0: For sure, Jackie. So so today, you know, Master Talk is both a media and a coaching business. So for me, the mission is how do I democratize the world's information about communication, whether somebody can afford me or not. That's my big mission with master talk. That's why I make the YouTube videos. That's why I spend a lot of money making sure that I have the best content so that somebody who's seven years old or 10 or 15 can still watch my stuff and still learn from it. That's one piece. But now the question is, how do I, because obviously it's not cheap to run the YouTube channel that I do. How do I make money? How do I pay the bills? Definitely through my executive clients, right? They're the ones who write me the checks. So they have direct access to me to help them. So I hold their hand. To get the result like ten times faster versus like watching a bunch of videos, it's like hiring you as a coach, right? It just speeds up time, and then what happens is they help me pay for the YouTube channel and my my expenses in my life.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's a lovely way of looking at it. Is that you know you're you're. The, the the people that can afford you are the ones that subsidize the the guys, the seven year olds and the fifteen year olds. And you have this wonderful analogy of of um, you know the next Elon Musk is a seven year old girl somewhere watching your your YouTube videos. And is that is that what you kind of are hoping to do with the YouTube Master Talk channel?
0: Absolutely, Jackie. You nailed it on the head. That's really my 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 mission. Because when Elon was thirteen years old living in South Africa, nobody cared about him nobody wanted to help him and he was going to be the biggest star in, in in the era that we're living in right now. And he still became that star, but he would have had a much easier journey if somebody just sat him down for two hours and just removed all this filler words, which I could still do for him. <laughs> I just, I just don't think he has time anymore, but, but that's the key. So the next Elon is really nervous too, but if we have them having, and we don't know who that person is, that's the other problem. So the only way to fix this, is, is by just sharing information openly and freely with the world and hopefully the right person finds it.
1: Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Um, so just on that, I, as you can tell, I do ums a lot. What is your tip to help people get rid of those filler words?
0: Absolutely. So the, the easy trick, and then I'll explain the rationale behind it, is you just got to replace them with silences. So whenever you want to say um or ah, you replace it with nothing. So now the question is, why do we say filler words in the first place? It's to buy time. So let's say you ask me a question, you go, you know, Brendan, how do we remove filler words? I go, uh, 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 and I use it to buy time to think about my answer. Whereas the best communicators on the planet, they're not smarter than we are. I doubt it. Like they can't just think of an answer right away all the time, they're not that smart. So they still buy time, they just do it differently through a pause. And they say, oh, Jackie, I'm so glad you asked me that question. And that bought me like 10 seconds to answer it without saying filler words. So you're still buying time, but just the effect is more powerful.
1: Yes. <laughs> there you go. That was me putting in a pause there. No, pause pauses can be very powerful as well. And they also give people time to actually the, the audience time to take in what it is that that you're saying. So I think that's that's also quite quite important as well. We're not ending here, just taking a quick break, and we'll be back very soon after we hear from our friend, fellow podcaster and master of verbal communication, Andrew Thorpe. We're all in the persuasion business, whether that's pitching to a potential client, selling ourselves in a job interview, or convincing a teenager to tidy their room how we frame our message and how we deliver it makes all the difference and this is the theme of my podcast leaning forward i'm andrew thorpe i'm a speaker a trainer and a storyteller and i'd love you to tune in to our latest episode and obviously learnt to present in french and i've watched your uh, video that's on your your website and you Go between the two, English and French. So how did, how and why were you encouraged to learn French?
0: Absolutely, Jackie. So I was actually forced to, in a good way, like I'm glad I was forced to, because I didn't really have a choice when I was five. My parents just said, you got to go to French school. But the reason for context is in Montreal, you need to know how to speak French to be successful. Kind of like France, like if you don't know French, you can't really do business there because everyone speaks that language. So for my own benefit, my parents put me through a French education system, even if I didn't know the language. So my whole life, not only did I struggle with French, I was presenting in a language I didn't even know. And that was my life growing up as a kid. And that's really the point for all of us, is that anyone can be a great speaker. If I could do it, so can you. But that's really what allowed me to to practice. Obviously, I'm grateful today. I'm perfectly fluent in French and I'm trilingual.
1: So were you speaking French at home? Did you have the opportunity to speak French at home?
0: Not really. It was mostly with people at school because my mom isn't super fluent in French. And my dad had a smart idea. He never wanted me to speak French to um, him or my mom. And the reason is because I would catch their accent. So instead of so that Indian Sri Lankan accent. So they actually never talked to me in French. They just talked to me in uh, in Tamil or English. But they wanted me to talk to French with other Quebecers. That's what they're—that's what we're called, people who live in Quebec. Right.
1: So you actually speak three languages.
0: That's correct. English, French, and Tamil. Uh,
1: but you can karaoke in eight. <laughs> that is also How true,
0: yes. How does that and work?
1: So I just want to
0: make sure the record is clean. I don't speak the other five languages. I don't understand them. I, I'm happy to talk about them. But I can enunciate the words. While, and I'm not a good singer either. That's important to note as well. <laughs> But what this is just a fun passion of mine. So, for example, I can I can speak English, French, and English. Uh, sorry, English, English, French, and Tamil, and then the five other languages that I can also speak. I mean, karaoke and is Korean, Japanese, Mandarin, Spanish, and Hindi. So that just means there's at least one song in that language that I can I can sing fully. And what act- actually ended up happening? I teach clients is funny enough. Only my advanced ones because the beginners will never do this it actually helps you articulate and enunciate your ideas in english cuz if you could practice pronouncing words you have no understanding of whatsoever it's actually a lot easier to go back to english cuz you know what you're talking about
1: yeah and i say that a lot about um, shakespeare if when people are learning shakespeare if they don't if they you know if they if uh, if an actor acting a shakespeare piece doesn't understand words speaking or enunciating, then the audience won't understand either. So it's really about digging down into what is the meaning behind those words, if, even if you don't understand them. But do you understand when you're singing in a language that you don't know, or you don't speak, do you understand what it is that you're singing? Nope, not at all. So I assume then that you just take on the, uh, the the sort of personality of the song and the meaning behind the words that they sound rather than and understanding what they mean
0: you got it so there's a term in translation called romanticization so basically what happens is instead of a direct translation into this means and i could do that i just i just never do it directly translates let's say words in korean like hangul into words that you can pronounce in english but pronounce the word in korean perfectly Right. So let's say, for example, I was switch. Let's say I switch a couple languages right now. i That's um hi in Korean. If I go kenki desu ka, That's Japanese. Hi, how are you? Good morning. In Italian, it's buongiorno. De come stai molto bene, ilai. That just means hi, how are you? Good and you, right? So and notice I'm like completely switching languages, but pronunciation is perfect across all
1: three, and
0: that's just practice
1: god that's a lot of practice that's that's what i should have done with your surname when (laughs) when i came on i did i did practice i just couldn't get my 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 head around it i apologize you're you're fine Um, if
0: i was mad every time that happened jackie i'd be a
1: miserable human being my goodness uh, oh let's have a look let's talk about rockstar communicator so rockstar communicator is 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 what exactly
0: yeah absolutely so rockstarcommunicator.com is is a workshop that i deliver so it's not really. necessarily related to master it's just a website that we found that was really easy to use that where people can register for our free workshop that we do every two weeks
1: and what do you do in that workshop because i've just signed up so i'm I'm really looking forward to it so what am i in for
0: Absolutely. So it's a secret. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So so essentially what it is, it's a 90-minute interactive call. So this is not like a recorded webinar. It's not like you're just watching and nothing's happening. So it's literally a Zoom call. Let's say it depends on the person. I'm, I think we're expecting like maybe 30 or 50 people for the one on the 14th. And what's going to happen is I'm literally coaching people on the call. So it's an interactive workshop. And our mindset when you come on the calls is as if everyone paid $100,000 to be on that call. Right, So that's the mindset. So it's a lot of fun. It's super, super cool. And we talk about things like my goals, my goal setting system for communication that I invented. So it's not available anywhere else. You only have to, you have to go to the free training for that. We role play how to deliver executive meetings with two people in the crowd. And then the third one is we do the random word exercise and we practice it where you take a random word and give presentation. So it's fun.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of the random word. I, I watch that on one of your YouTube um, videos. And I think that's great because it's actually something that I do when I'm doing my improvisation classes and I'm actually working with actors around improvising and devising pieces, then just those random words and, and getting them to talk for for, for 30 seconds, a minute on, on whatever that word is. I think it's a fabulous way of just freeing up the mind, freeing up the... You know the 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 tongue and the voice to actually be able to speak off the top of your head, which is is not always easy. So, have, do you find that that people are 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 quite happy to give that a go? I mean, it depends.
0: So, if it's kids, very easy to get them to do this. If it's more adults, they're, they're always you know judgment. Oh, you know, why should I do this? Why does it matter? So, the key is just to push them a little bit to get them to the habit. And then, when they start feeling comfortable with it, they'll do it a lot more
1: yeah and you have um a, you have a coach don't you and i was i'm thinking of the there's somebody that that help, that is there with you on the workshops on the teaching side he's also your coach and your mentor
0: that's correct so so vamsi is my 50/50 business partner he's my leadership coach and and business coach and he's also my 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 partner in 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 master talk so we we both facilitate the workshop together and he delivers a lot of mindset tips during the workshop so you get a different feel for communication
1: yeah would you recommend people work with a mentor or a coach on their own business because as you say it can be quite expensive but have you found it's beneficial
0: i mean definitely but but obviously you know i always like you know i'm very empathetic because when i was when i started when I was, what, 22, I started MassTalks. So it was four years. I didn't have any money, Jackie. So here, here's what I would say. I think it's a balance. So I call this the 10% rule. I think 10% of all the money you should you make in your life, you should be investing it back into yourself. It doesn't have to be 50%. Some of you might have a lot of kids and stuff. But I think 10% is a safe rule. So for me, you know, what was the first investment I ever made? Was it in a $30,000 program? No, 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 definitely wasn't. It was in a $300 product you know, I was actually, I'd invested in courses before, but my first real one was going to a conference in Ohio called Summit of Greatness. It's a conference that Lewis Howes delivers, the host of the School of Greatness podcast. I've been listening to it for years. And I said, oh, I want to discover this. I went to it, what, I paid 300 bucks for the ticket, 400 bucks for the flight, 20 bucks, literally 25, 50 bucks a day for the Airbnb because I stayed in this really shitty place because I didn't have any money. And I met my business partner there, and I've made a ridiculous amount of money. But if I never went to that Event, I never would have met Vomsey. So I think the punchline is two things. One is start thinking about what's something small that you can get started with, like versus like buying a candy bar. Like ask yourself, what is that thing? And then over time, find the mentor and the right relationship with them. Like for me, I actually never paid Vomsey up front because he believed in me. So what we did is we, and I probably should have paid up up front in retrospect, but what that happened is I just gave him half my business. I said, look, I'm willing to put in the work. I don't have money to pay you up front. Can we just do a deal where you just take anything that I make 50% up front? That's the deal. And he said, yes. And we became partners and it's worked out really well for all of us. So I think that's the key. You got to take initiative and be proactive.
1: Yeah. And, you, but you need to find somebody that's uh, on your wavelength, has the same values, has, ha, ha, has all of those things. So it's, it's, it's not, it's not always easy, is it?
0: It isn't. It isn't at all. I mean, I've probably met over 5,000 people in my life so far, at least. I'm being conservative. But I only consistently hang out with 15 of them. So it's hard to really find good people. But I think the punchline, Jackie, is you need to be willing to do the reps. You got to be willing to talk to a lot of people until you find the right person. It's the same thing. And I don't apply this really well, but I'm just using this analogy. It's like with your soulmate. Like if you want to find somebody to marry, somebody to have children with, somebody to be with – it might not take five dates it might take 500 it might take 600 it's just most people aren't willing to to put in the reps
1: yeah and in in similar terms then what what why do you think it's important that people learn how to communicate and and become good public speakers
0: for sure jackie i think for me communication is the cornerstone that affects every every area of your life so the answer is different for all of us for business owners it's getting their next sale in motivating their teams to be successful. For the executive, it's getting their next promotion, doing better at their job, leading their clients. For the mother, it's being a better mother for their children, being able to raise them properly, having a better relationship with them. That's why the question I always ask is, how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? And the reason I love this question is because the answer is different for all of us. So I encourage all of you to reflect on it because communication is so much more than making money. It's the way that we talk to our families. It's the way that we make friends and it's the way that we ultimately lead a more fulfilling life.
1: So where do you where you, where you you advise people to start?
0: Where I start, Jack, it's a great question, is my easy threes.
1: Communication is
0: weird in the sense that it's kind of like juggling 18 balls at the same time right? So one of those balls is ums and ahs. One of those balls is eye contact. One of those balls is facial expression, storytelling, body language. And it can get really confusing really fast for people. So for me, Jackie, the conversation has always been, what are the three easiest balls that we can juggle? Because if we learn that, that gives us momentum to get better. So let's go through them. Our easy threes. Number one, you talked about it already, so I'll keep that one short. The random word exercise. Pick a random word like ghost like phantom, like light bulb, create random presentations out of thin air. Two is the question drill. We get asked questions all the time in our life, Jackie, at work, at school, on a podcast, but most of us are reactive to those questions, not proactive. A few years ago when I started guesting on podcasts and I sucked, I remember some guy asked me, where does the fear of communication come from? And I look at the guy and I say, I don't know, dude, Los Angeles, London, you tell me. So I had no idea. (laughs) So I was being reactive, not proactive. So what's the tip? The tip is every day, one question that you think the world will ask you about your expertise, your products or services, and answer us new one every single day. If you do that for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about your business. And then the last tip is just sending video messages. Make a list of the people that you love the most in your life and send them a quick 20 second gratitude message.
1: Fabulous. I love that. I love that. Um, And that middle one, that number two, has led me quite nicely into my next question for you, which is, where does the fear of communication come from?
0: Right. Thankfully, you (laughs) caught me at a good moment of life, so I won't say Los Angeles today. Here's my perspective on it, Jackie. Let's think about it. Where do we learn how to present in a formal way? The answer is super simple. The education system. That's when we learned how to speak. But the problem with the education system, elementary school, high school, is all of those presentations have three fundamental problems. One, all of them are mandatory. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, Jack, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Yes. Nobody says that or does that. Challenge number two, all of those presentations, you're never presenting something you're passionate about. So it's never what do you care about? Do you care about theater? Do you care about podcasting, books? No, you got to talk about Shakespearean poetry. And then after you're done that, you got to talk about the history of Missouri. And you're like, what's Missouri? I don't even live there. So you're never really talking about things you like. And finally, number three, worst of all, every presentation is tied to a punishment. So it's not just you don't do a great job. I won't give you a pat on the back. It's wait a second. You're going to lose 25% of your grade. And if you mess up again, you'll get punished again. So we grow up believing, Jackie, that communication is a chore. So it becomes one and nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes.
1: Yeah, that's so right. That's so true. And, and it's incredible, isn't it? What we are told in, in those formative years really affects the rest of our lives. You know, I've, I've worked with so many people that the way that they interact with other people is it solely comes from the way that they were interacted with themselves at that you know those those early years and that's what they bring into this world of uh, of work and communication and half the time you know the people that i work with are running businesses running their own businesses and should you would imagine have or do have a passion about what it is that they are having to promote having to pr- present but they're still kind of bound up with this this idea that they should be a certain person, they should speak a certain way, they should communicate a certain way. So how do you help people get over that? How do you get them from the place where they feel, you know, that they're full of shoulds, and this is the way I should be, and this is how I'm expected to be, to actually being quite authentic and, and passionate about what they're talking about?
0: Right, Jackie. I think for me, everyone, every coach has their own opinion. So I'd love to hear yours as well. But I would say for me, the way it comes down to is style only gets developed through output. So I just have them work a lot. Like do the random word exercise five times a day and just put yourself in that habit. Because that's the way I learned style. You know, when I started my communication journey. I mean, I was a kid in a basement making YouTube videos and people don't have to take my word for it. Go watch my first video. It's still up there. I'm just on a couch and I'm just like, hi guys, uh, master talk. Like I didn't I didn't have a start. I mean, going, oh, like, how should I be? I just did it. And then over time, I got really good. It probably took like 10, 11 months. And then from there, I started professionalizing my channel. But I think that's the key is we all got to start somewhere. But I think the most important piece is to start. And that's why Zig Ziglar has a great quote on this, is that you, you don't have to be great to start but you have to start to be great and i think that's really powerful
1: yeah absolutely absolutely so do you have people that you emulate do you have people that you look up to that you sort of maybe back when you started were you looking at other youtubers and other people that were speaking so who who was who really stood out for you
0: Absolutely. And and I still do that to this day. I mean, there's so many coaches, even in my own space that I can learn from, that are that are better than me, right? There's always somebody out there. And it's that mindset that always keeps us growing and gets us to the next level. So I'd say for me, and obviously I'm subjective, I'm not saying these are the best communicators in the world, but just for me, the people that resonated, Gary Vaynerchuk is a big one for me, because the guy's very direct, he's blunt, and he's also a big fan of output. Like he gets results and he, ta- he walks his talk. So he's someone that I look at a lot, and he's really good at relatability. And that's unique, is that he can relate to a six-year-old and a 60-year-old at the same time. And I think that's really powerful. And I try to do that as well in my communication style. The second type of person that really resonates with me is Seth Godin. Seth Godin is a very prolific marketer. He's incredible at speaking. He's a gift. And he's so good at packaging information in such a unique way. Like, for example, with my fear of communication answer, it took me years to develop that whole school thing and the three challenges. So that took years to develop. And the reason I keep pushing is because Seth Godin is still pushing. Even today, he's like 62 or something, 63. I don't know how old he is. But he's still producing a podcast. He's still putting the effort to keep pushing his thought leadership until he's gone. And I think that's really inspiring because he doesn't need to at this point. He's like a multi-deca millionaire at this point. But he's still willing to push. Same thing with my third hero, Scott Harrison, the CEO of Charity Water. It's a nonprofit. He started to up the world, getting access to clean water. It's the biggest water charity in America. He's super successful as well. And he's a great example of high-stakes communication. Like if he messes up on a stage, people literally die because he doesn't raise the money to give the clean water. And that pressure really makes him exceptional at communication.
1: Wow. Yeah. I'd not heard of him, but yeah, Seth Godin is one of my heroes too. I think he's, he's just so natural. And I think it it comes from a place of, of just wanting to share and give value that, you know, that, that kind of talking, talking on, on the same level, as you know, as his audience, not try, you know, not trying to be somebody. And this is this is where it. You asked what what my opinion was, and I'm quite happy to give it because I think it's it's really for me comes from um, from telling the truth and being honest, and that can only happen when you are being you. So I think a lot of uh, of people's hang ups, as as we were saying, go back to childhood when they were told that they should be doing something and actually what it comes down to is just finding the truth of what they're doing and why they're doing it and i think that you know once once they've found that authenticity then it's very easy to communicate because you are communicating with humility but you're curious about your audience you're curious about the world and and i think that's you know seth uh, Gary Vanachek, There, you know, there, there are characters that that really have taken on what it is to be of value, and I think I think that's that's a way of of really uh, communicating with an audience is appreciating your audience, knowing who it is that you're talking to and why you're talking to them. But I love, uh, yeah, the 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 idea of the of the charity. What was his name? Steve Scott Harrison. Scott Harrison, I'm sure I do know that name. Um, but that kind of jeopardy in, in having to share a message because otherwise, you know, the, the unthinkable things could happen, that, that certainly puts a bit of an edge to your talk, I would imagine. Absolutely. So what is, just before we wrap up, what is the question that you get asked the most when it comes to public speaking? What's, what's your frequently asked question? I would say the one that I
0: get the most is how do I overcome my fear of communication?
1: And and the answer is? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and the answer is two parts. One is you don't. And the, the what I mean by that is all of us are scared of communication, including me. Even if I'm the, you know, me and you are both experts, I'm fearful of it. It's just the level is different today. So for example, me and you are having fish and chips, let's say in London or something. And Elon Musk calls me Jackie. And I pick up the phone. He goes, you know, Brendan, I like your videos. I like the episode you did with Jackie. Can you come coach me? I'll pay you a million dollars. Would I get worried? Would I be stressed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'd be worried. It's a normal emotion to have. So for me, the fear of communication is a dichotomy we need to manage. It's a relationship we need to manage, not necessarily something we try to get rid of. Example. Think of it like a boxing match. One side of the ring is the fear. The other side of the ring is the message the goal is not for the fear to leave the ring but rather make sure that your message when your fear and your message meet in the middle why it matters why it's important that your message wins the match that your message gets the knockout punch and as long as your message is just a little bit more important than your fear you'll win that match every time
1: i love that i love that so making sure that that your message is greater than the fear of of giving it of presenting it now i think that's a really good way of a way of looking at it because it is i always say that i'm not anxious about doing something i am just um, apprehensive so it's just that kind of feeling of excitement and seeing it as excitement rather than anxiety because that that, that the feeling that you get within your body is the same as excitement and uh, and fear so and fear is a feeling Courage is a choice. So the, mm. the fear that you feel is uh, is something that is intangible. You can't hold on to it. It's just your mind. So it's it's finding that mindset where you can actually calm those butterflies. I heard somebody say you, you're actually putting your butterflies in formation. It's uh, being, being well-practiced and well-rehearsed. So have you got any sort of, apart from obviously all the tips that you've given us in the in the last uh, 45 minutes, is there one last tip that you want to leave us with before, before we say goodbye?
0: For sure, Jackie, thanks so much for having me on. This is super fun. I would say for me, the final tip I'd leave your audience with is don't forget about the question. How would your life change if you became an exceptional communicator? A lot of people, when they hear that question, they go, oh yeah, it's a nice question. But they don't actually take the time to reflect on it. And I would encourage you to do otherwise, because if you really take the time to reflect on how your life would be different if you became a great communicator, that's when you'll start to get the results. And I encourage all of you listening to this to really start doing that as well.
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much, Brendan. That's 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 absolutely brilliant. Um, so how can people get in touch with you if they want to come along to the training uh, on Friday the 14th? Would well, I be there? Um, Or how how would they get in contact if they want to work with you?
0: Absolutely, Jackie.
1: Let me show. I've got what was – I'll show this one first. For those of you that are watching on YouTube, this is the YouTube channel, which is Master Talks. And there's lots and lots of free resources on there. And then this is rockstarcommunicator.com. And so where will that lead people to, Brendan?
0: absolutely jackie so you're right the the two ways to to keep in touch is one the youtube challenge go to master talk and you'll have access or you can go to master talks with that link and you'll find it and the second way is really the website we do a free workshop every two weeks on communication it's live it's interactive it's fun it's not some boring webinar so if you want to jump on that website you're welcome to visit us there as well and sign up for our next one and it's free
1: excellent Excellent. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. I mean, it's just been fabulous to spend time with you and talking about talking, speaking about speaking. It's my favorite thing. So thank you so much Uh, and enjoy the rest of your week.
0: Thanks so much, Jackie. Looking forward to having you as well.
1: Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, then please leave a five-star review on whichever platform you're on. And if you'd like to receive information about future guests or would like to know more about Power to Speak coaching, then sign up for our fortnightly newsletter at powertospeak.co.uk. And remember, if you, like all of us, are in the persuasion business and need inspiration or tips on the art of verbal communication, then tune in to Leaning Forward with our friend Andrew Thorpe. Find Leaning Forward on your favourite podcast platform. Bye for now.